You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. If you're looking for some delicious baked goods, head on over to that website and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. Once again, that's coupon code no love lost for 20% off your order. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts or Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Guys, we hope this message finds you well, that you are all staying safe, uh, that you are healthy and happy, uh, you know, as happy and healthy as everybody can be given the circumstances. Stay safe. We love you, and we can't thank you enough for everything. And on that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we go back. Let me go back, Will. Let me go back just one more time. I have to get it right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things we could get right in our current timeline. (laughs) Uh, Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast, your favorite podcast from quarantine. (laughs) Um, I am Will Link, and with me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we are here to break down Season 3, Episode 8, Flashes Before Your Eyes. I don't, uh, I don't know if we can do this on our own, though, Will. Like, this I was is... going to... I was going to say, we might. it's a Desmond episode. We might need some help. Megan, is there anyone who can help us with this? Hold on. I Do I have a conch shell? How do I contact him? I don't know. How do we get in contact with the one and only Zach Wilson? You just have to find your constant, and then it all works out. <laughs> Aw, that's sweet. <laughs> Zach, thank you for coming back on, especially under such... Uh... <laughs> wonderful conditions yeah yeah it's uh oof, it's it's uh, we're all living desmond's first ever appearance right now <laughs> uh me more than others i legit set my alarm clock to be make your own kind of music every day <laughs> <laughs> i wake up to it every day i get up i do like my improvised version of desmond's routine which just like do a little bit of exercise uh make the bed throw some food on the stove, sit and eat it, and then go out uh, in a hazmat suit into the wasteland. (laughs) I wonder if there is someone out there who has set up their own button to push every 108 minutes. Don't do it. You'll have a psychotic break. (laughs) Maybe it's like the one thing. They have to convince themselves they're saving the world. It's the only way they can bring themselves. But we are saving the world by being inside, aren't we? We are. We are. It is. That is true. Yeah. It's not wrong. We are all Desmond. 
Yep, we are. Like, I've been thinking, we, we, we've said this um, both offline and on previous episodes of this podcast while we've been recording in quarantine, but I've been thinking a lot about Desmond's situation a lot lately. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it is, in a weird way, it's kind of cathartic um, looking at this character and his journey and seeing the struggles that he went through and knowing that in the end he does get a, you know, not only he does so many great things and he gets the happy ending he deserves. So I'm hoping that much like Desmond, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for all of us. We just have to blow up our, our entire <laughs> houses to do it and then go maybe back in time sort of and then... <laughs> Go I, forward in time. We're gonna then, have to talk about that. I do have a um, I do have a failsafe switch here that I might have to uh, turn the key on. Well, it's funny, cause Zach, because you were with us uh, uh, really just eight episodes ago, breaking down the finale, which was a very Desmond-centric finale. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you are our uh, our go-to Desmond guy. He's he's my favorite character. Um, it's funny. After I did that episode, I watched the rest of the entire series. Nice. <laughs> I couldn't stop myself. It's so good. <laughs> I, it's hard for me to just go episode by episode, but I know if I get far ahead, I won't be able to keep everything straight. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. That's a fair point. Can uh, Can I be honest? I kind of like the, the pace I'm going at revisiting the series. There is a part of me that does just want to binge it all. But at the same time, like going through it like week by week or every other week, depending on what our recording schedule is, like I kind of like having the consistency of it being there because it kind of because it's been so long for a lot of things. It kind of feels like it's on the air for the first time again. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. It's hard to recreate those like water cooler moments but that's what you're doing essentially <laughs> now zach uh me and megan were talking about how and we talked about this a little bit last time you came on because we were going into season three and in mm. my head season three is the season that's a little too stretched out and i always thought of the beginning of season three as being a little too stretched out with with jack and kate and sawyer on that other island however in this rewatch I found it moved quicker than I remembered. Did you have the same experience with your rewatch? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've never. I mean, look, there are there are specific episodes where you're kind of just like, oh boy, let's <laughs> that's gonna be this. that's and gonna actually, be the next one. I was about this. to say the episode after this is one of the ones where I'm just like, oh god, we just gotta get through this Jack's back story thing and just pretend it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I've never seen the next episode, so I'm so oh, excited. <laughs> oh, really? It's my it's one of my least favorite episodes of the show, and that includes oh. Nikki and Paolo. It's, it is the single worst episode of the show, and we're going to have a guest for that one, too, because why not break it? And why not make someone watch a bad episode? Uh, but to answer your question, I didn't think it like was slowed down by any means um because because you're getting all this new information with the others and like i i'm curious what megan is when megan thinks about juliet now i know she's not in this episode but now you're getting more of her i don't know how megan yeah zach to give you an update 
Um, yeah, at the at the very beginning of this season, I came in, Miss Sourpuss, like, uh, we are in for a rough ride, this is gonna suck, but I'm gonna keep an open mind about Juliet. And honestly, like, so far this season, there have been, like, this season has been a mixed bag in terms of episode quality. Like, some have just been like, oh, okay, that was an episode. Some have been like, what the... What are we doing, man? But then others have been absolutely spectacular and have completely knocked it out of the park. And specifically, to give you an update about Juliet, I'm starting to see why everyone loves her. And I'm like... She's the best. She's great. She's such a deep character, especially once you get more of her like backstory. There's there's so much nuance going on. Oh, yeah. We we just had her first full flashback episode not that long ago and yeah i am i think i'm gonna be on board with juliet my my only my my big gripe was that like initially i i was still upset about like other secondary characters getting killed off too early you know at the time of Juliet's introduction and then almost immediately she's presented as an element of the love triangle which I'm not crazy about that like but all of that stuff aside like as a character I have a I'm developing a far greater appreciation for her than like I feel like when I was younger I just wasn't giving her a chance yeah I think that was me and Sawyer when I watched ah. it originally, this was really interesting for me rewatching again. It's been maybe two years since I rewatched it. And like a lot of like stuff has gone down in my personal life in the last two years that I don't need to get into. I don't want, I'm curious. I wonder if that affected it. What was really different this time watching it through. I, I've always been on Jack's shot, Jack's side. I'd always shipped like Jack and Kate. Uh. I love them this time through. I was so much more on Sawyer's side than Jack's. <laughs> like, I was getting pissed off at Jack constantly, and I was getting pissed off at Kate, not as much, but, like, more than I remembered the last times I watched it. So when it got to, like, Sawyer and Juliet, I'm like, hell yeah, those two characters should be together because they're both, <laughs> like, the best people here somehow. <laughs> like, Juliet, I always thought was a good person, but Sawyer, I didn't, And except for this time. I'm like, no, so it's, a, it's all about Sawyer. He, like, comes around and is, like, a good guy. He doesn't fuck up constantly. See that? You're where I was at in my first... Because I've always been the one who's a little annoyed by Jack, but I was always down for Sawyer. Even when he, even when he was a dick early on, for whatever reason, he had that... Enough of that charming rogue personality that, that I bought into from the get-go. It is just very interesting how being at a different place in your own personal life, you know, a different place in your own journey, mm-hmm. how that affects the way you um, interact with media and how it changes the kinds of characters that you develop attachments to and who you identify with. Like, seeing Juliet, like break down crying and go I'm a mess I can't be a leader I'm like ooh I feel that girl <laughs> like um, I like I identify with her a lot more than I ever did when I was younger but to bring it back to this episode I still identify with well maybe not the most with Desmond it, I still might identify the most with with Hurley 
but Desmond, very close second. Can, well, let's... Oh, I oh. was going to say, before we get into it, you know, we always have to do it and probably should have done it earlier in case this is your first episode of our podcast. Just FYI, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and spoil the whole thing for you. <laughs> FYI, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> in case you're just a, a fan of uh, Zach's and just like, I only tune in when he's on. But I, but somehow I have not convinced you to, to watch Lost yet. Yeah. You're that big a fan, but like my words have fallen on deaf ears on the numerous times I've been like, I love Lost. You should watch Lost. It's a great show. And like it wasn't even your last appearance on our podcast yeah. that convinced them either. Yeah. He's like, oh, they, oh, he came back. Okay, maybe I gotta give this Lost thing a go. Well, uh, <laughs> but this, yeah. Uh, um, getting into the episode. This episode is written by Damon Lindelof and Drew. Drew Goddard. Yeah, um, Drew Goddard. I love that guy. Now, what's funny is the last episode was written by Carlton Coos and not Lindelof. And this episode is written by Lindelof. And not, and not Coos. So, I don't know. Maybe they were like, eh, we should maybe we should expand uh, outside of our partnership. But then eventually they came back together. I was going to say, is, that might have been more of a divide and conquer sort of thing. Probably. Th- like, I would bet, oh, go ahead. I would bet that this is more a case of, because I'm like looking at the list of who, like, who wrote which episodes. And it's not, these are not like partnership teams. They're just like, I think it's just whoever wasn't in Hawaii at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like wrote together and they're like oh well we had to send those two off so uh you and uh you or could maybe maybe it was i i, I would actually be fascinated to know this I'm, I'm sure they've talked about it somewhere but i wonder if they had like specific writers attached to characters so that like, I, if they were going to focus on jack they had lindelof around never they were going to focus on hurley they had uh sarnoff around I, or something i'm picking names at random, i know but. that there were uh, God, I'm blanking on their names. Like Horowitz and 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 I'm blanking on the other guys' names, who I think they wrote a lot of Hurley and Charlie. Edward yeah. Kitsis and Adam Horowitz? Yeah, they did Kitsis a lot and of... and Horowitz, that was it. Yeah, because I, I even remember seeing an interview with them talking about how like they somehow became the Charlie Hurley guys. Now, I have to ask, just um, since, you know, obviously you're both fans of this show's writing... Could you imagine how valuable the writer's, like, show Bible would have been? And uh, if there was some sort of Faustian being who offered you this Bible in exchange for your soul, would you take that? <laughs> would you take that deal? Oh, man, my soul? Yeah. I, so, uh, soul's a bit high. Yeah. Maybe you could haggle with him and work down the price. Yeah, I feel like I've I've pieced together enough of loss that I don't need to to gamble my soul on finding the secrets in there. Uh, uh, I would trade my worldly <laughs> possessions, maybe. <laughs> maybe you could challenge him to a fiddle competition. <laughs> but here's the thing: like for me, it's not just I don't just want to know it. Like I want to get access to that Bible because they've hired me to write the, the reboot. comic yeah. book sequel. Not Ooh. the reboot. I don't want a reboot. I want this continuity. I want to be. I want to be part of the the comic book series. You want Lost: The Next Generation, which is the sequel series Will and I are working on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I tr I, I'll tell you what, Megan. I'll trade your soul for it. Huh? Hey! No, 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 no. That's not fair. You can't go and trade the soul of your co-host. That was never on the table. That was part of our, your Faustian <laughs> bargain for, for joining this podcast. Damn um, it. So, for, uh, for the and, record, though, my, my lost sequel will be called uh, Going Back. Aw, I like sense. that. Um, this episode is directed by Jack Bender, the uh, uh, classic Lost director. And, um, you know, usually when we break these episodes down, there is a certain format we go in, we handle the flashback, and then we kind of go to the island. But I think the way we're going to have to do this one is, and we rarely do it this way, chronologically yeah we're gonna have to be a little bit more linear this time so let's start at the start we've got hurley and charlie are raiding sawyer's stash they find, <laughs> some, they find some pornography you know the usual stuff you'd expect to find in sawyer's stash <laughs> um classic hurley and charlie banter too and, you know, the crew, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're saying, like, oh, Sawyer would want us to go through this. And, yeah, because that's exactly what Sawyer would want. <laughs> um, and, you know, Desmond comes back. And he's they're like, oh, hey, did you find Mr. Echo? He's like, eh, come with me. Uh, because, as we know, Echo is dead. Um, yeah, Zach, real quick, while we've got you. How? What yeah. was your take on uh, Mr. X? Uh, if I could piece two words together, what was your take on Mr. Echo's exit from the show? Uh, disappointing. Echo was another one of my like favorite characters on the show. Actually, I really liked. Uh, I've I have a weird fascination with religious characters. Um, I I whenever a character is like deeply religious on a show I, I i instantly key in on them and i'm not a religious person i maybe that's part of it is i'm just fascinated by the ability to give yourself over to like fantasy that way zach uh, i'm the i'm the same way like i'm not into religion at all but i love things with religious themes and i think that's one of the things that i do connect to with loss because there's such like a faith thing going on yeah. in this oh, series and i love bible lore i don't like read the bible well one i'm jewish but i don't read this but angels and demons like yeah, all day all day i can read about that stuff um but mr echo like so mr echo fell into that category and it was like obvious that he had more to do yeah in his story that was the only reason it was really disappointing was there should have been he should have had like and he was supposed to the character was supposed to have way more to do and yeah he to do it this is disappointing the um well when charlie and hurley are brought over to to Locke and saeed you know the the usual line of all oh, the island killed them and charlie's <laughs> like and charlie's like what does that mean to which Locke. In fairness to Locke, justifiably is like you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, like let's not let's you you know we all know there's a smoke monster on this island that just kills people occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that like no one will talk about it by name though. No one on the show proper calls it a smoke monster. <laughs> Yeah, everybody's just like, oh, the island or the monster or like it's a it's a cloud of smoke. And that should be raising a lot of red flags. 
Um, but like if I was one of these guys, I'd be like, guys, why is this a thing we never talk about? We always avoid it. This thing has killed people. Um, and, and funny, it's like the circle's even expanding of more people that they could ask about it, whether it be others or whether it could be, I don't know, have Nikki and Paolo had any run-ins with this smoke monster? <laughs> Talk to them. They're around. Not um, in this scene, they're not. No, yeah, they, they, they're they absent for this moment. But Get out I of here, you twos! It, it's really a weird, it's a, it's, it's a semi-excuse that they're, that, uh, Hurley and Charlie are brought into this to like continue the Desmond story because it's like, well, you guys, the, we're gonna tell everybody that Echo's dead, but you guys, everyone's gonna look to you two, so be calm about it. Like that's basically <laughs> what they're saying that everyone's gonna look to. Is everyone gonna look to the, like the former heroin addict who like stole, stole a baby? A baby? <laughs> I think because they represent the, the, like, they're the key characters who are not in the, like, weird leadership, like, powwow circle who are always, like, vying for control, which is, like, Sawyer, Locke, Jack, and Kate are this, like, power struggle at the top. They're, like, in a facsimile, but they're really just, like, more like the rest of the passengers in that they're just yeah. trying to be there and keep themselves alive like, Hurley's, Hurley's like an everyman like yeah. Hurley's the one yeah he's he is in that like inner circle but Hurley's the guy going hey guys what if we built a golf course and Charlie's the guy playing tunes by the bonfire you know like these are these are two guys that are a source of comfort I think for a lot of people just based on their personality and dispositions like uh, so like Given that Jack, Kate, and Sawyer have been kidnapped, and Locke is effectively de facto leader, and another person has just died, I do think it is fair to be like, hey, just we want to make you guys aware. The way John goes about saying it is really weird, but like, both Hurley and Charlie could be a source of comfort for... Mm for the the group as a whole during a time like that. They're likable, particularly Hurley. And you know mm -hmm. what you said Zach about how they're not vying for leadership, but they're kind of part of the leadership in a weird way cuz they are they do pop up in that inner circle a lot. They wound up um, in the inner circle more by accident than by choice, and but, that makes them more trustworthy. But and... I think also that quality of like Hurley is clearly capable of being a leader, but he's doesn't want to be a he's leader. He's not is driven by power. It's, it's the exact reason why he should be in charge of the island at the end of all this. Yeah. Exactly. Because he's, he's the only one of all of these people who's just good. He's, <laughs> been, he's been good the whole time. Like, everyone else has, like, fucked up in some major way in their life. All Hurley did was, like, play some numbers that like somebody told him not to play the lottery with which can you blame a guy that's crazy yeah the worst thing hurley ever ever did like looking at his flash flashbacks the worst thing he did intentionally was delay telling his friend that he won the lottery like and that wasn't even that bad I no because he was I've, gonna tell him <laughs> yeah it was like a totally justifiable like i just want one more normal day 
and then I'm going to tell you. Like, that wasn't even a jerk move. It was just like a, no one knows how to react when you win $100 million. Are you kidding? No. Let me tell you what. If I won $100 million, everyone would know about it. <laughs> immediately <laughs> zach you and i outside this pot we haven't really talked much maybe some tweets you would know about it immediately you, would no, know. you can't tell anyone that's how, that's like the worst thing you can do you got to take it anonymously you got to put it all in a trust fund so people can't get it i know but i, I thought I, about this i'm gonna be honest with you i got a big mouth <laughs> i like i like telling people my business and there's no way everyone's not gonna know. Now, so you would with me, you'd figure it out. Like you'd be like, "Did he move into a really big <laughs> house? Like, when did he?" Because I'd just be like posting new things. Like, dude, check this out. I just moved. I just opened up a production company. <laughs> flush new offices. Wait a minute. Hills. How do you do that? Like Beverly Hills. <laughs> okay. What's happening here? Uh, but I would never cop to it. <laughs> Real quick, Zach, just out of curiosity, since we're talking about Hurley, did you ever use the numbers to play the lottery? No, because people that did that all won nothing when they won. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, well, sort of. Uh, there's there is an asterisk to that. I I play like a series of nerdy numbers. I'd have to look them up to know all of them. But like I play like twelve because of the the twelve rings. Uh, I uh, love no, that. 20, it, it was twenty because of the twenty rings of power. Twelve was something else that I can't remember. Uh, I just love that your answer to that question was no, of course not. See footnote. Well, I play eight in honor of Hurley Aww. because that was his number on the wall. That's the only number that I play from those numbers. So we should, uh, we have not even, we're 24 I, minutes in. We have not even gotten to I our main only, man. I only bring it up because numbers are important in this episode. That's true. They pop up a lot. Um, so while they're hearing about Mr. Echo, all of a sudden Desmond starts to react funny and all of a sudden it seems like he has a thought like something comes to him he senses he, a disturbance in the force he's like he's or he's like i don't know he's like lassie when he's <laughs> running towards and he 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 runs to the ocean and he jumps into the ocean everyone follows him and everyone's like what's going on like what's he doing is somebody out there and desmond's swimming and all of a sudden there's son with a Aaron and Charlie's like, where's Claire? Well, where is Claire? She's out in the ocean drowning. And Desmond grabs her, pulls her in and is able to do some CPR on her. Uh, Charlie getting in the way of that a little bit. Oh, my God. He always does. Uh, Charlie, you're killing me in this episode, man. But... Uh, Claire pulled through, but how did Desmond know? Well, Hurley tells Charlie how he knows. <laughs> that guy sees the future. It's the future I can see. That's so Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Was not expecting that. <laughs> Twist. Um. That's because you can't see the future, Will. 
I can't. I, if I could, <laughs> I would have warned us all about this pandemic. Ah, yeah, that would have been nice. No, but see, it wouldn't have made a difference because we were warned, and look what happened. Oh, I would have said, snap. Here's what I would have said. When you came on the show, I don't know, when was that January, Zach? I would have grabbed you, and I said, like, like, um, like uh, Christopher Walken in Dead Zone style. <laughs> and I would have said, buy toilet paper. <laughs> Buy toilet paper now. Oh, I did. I'm stocked up. I haven't even gone into, dipped into my backup supply. <laughs> we should, honestly, it's a moot point. We should all have bidets. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, so they realize they're going to have to, well, actually, there's a scene before this, I should say, where Desmond is now on the beach. Claire seems perfectly fine. She sits down next to Desmond. He's looking at this picture with him and Penny. Aww. It's a marina background. And, you know, they're talking about this. And, of course, Charlie comes over being really pushy. Aaron's crying. And it's like, Claire, where were you? You had to feed the baby. Why does he have to turn everything into a dick measuring contest? Get it yeah. together, Charlie. He's trying to get Claire away from another man with no intentions towards her um and charlie realizes he's got to get to the bottom of the desmond thing so he comes up with the perfect plan which is to get desmond drunk because as hurley points out desmond sees the future he knows they're gonna try to get answers from him so it's like Get him fucked up and he won't be able to see it coming. <laughs> Never mind that that's already a flawed sort of a train of thought. <laughs> yeah, there's not there's nothing that really works. With, and that's the thing with time travel or being able to see the future. There's always like, well, Desmond would have already known they were going to try to get him drunk. Or just because he's drunk it doesn't mean he still can't see the future. You know, I don't know. But... It's you yeah, know what? but look, we all are a little more loose-lipped when we're drunk. That's true. Uh, That's fair. That's fair. Especially when it's drunk on super expensive whiskey. Yes. Actually, speaking of which, I should have done this before the show. I'm going to go pour myself a glass of scotch uh, while we talk about this section of the show. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I should have done it too. I'm going to have one when we're done. <laughs> um... And yeah, well, Desmond makes a, a fair point when they're like, "Hey, have a drink with us." And Desmond's like, "Well, I've been, uh, I've been drunk too much lately," which is true. Um, yeah, he did go on that little bender, didn't he? Uh, but of course, Charlie hits him up with a, "Oh, you're too good to drink with us." <sighs> Charlie. And I know he's trying to manipulate Desmond into drinking with him, but also this goes back to that dick measuring that yeah, you were just it, referencing. It just seems so petulant. But it turns out Charlie does have uh, a bottle that Desmond is interested in. McCutcheon. <laughs> uh, let's get some let's get some uh uh what what do they call it? It's not uh it's not BDSM. ASMR. Uh Yes, 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 yes. Go. That all come through? Yeah. Yes. That sounded beautiful. It sounded real good. Uh, it's not sadly not McCutcheon, but this is I did grab the only bottle I had open was was actually very expensive Scotch Lagavulin 16. Oh, that's good stuff. 
Yeah, which also is a perfect for tonight because they announced the Parks and Rec thing coming back. So I'm drinking a Swanson favorite. Woohoo! Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, ho- wh- can- where the hell did do- we find out in the show how a like $20,000 bottle of scotch wound up on the island? First class. It- I'll tell you how. It's it, this this bottle special to Desmond. The island put it there. Put <laughs> How it dare there. you? How it's dare Jacob. you make that your answer? That's the answer, right? Oh, I hate you that so is, much. That that is the answer. Like that's the truthful answer. But like, but I I demand a real answer. Uh, <laughs> because that's not like. Look, I've I've flown. I've got. When I say I've flown first class, I got bumped up once or twice to first class because I got lucky. Uh, they had. The regular, the same selection of beverages. It just is free instead of paid for. <laughs> they don't have and like because remember, they uh, they set up that the a swallow is more than Desmond makes in a month. <laughs> that means that a small pour is worth roughly two to three thousand dollars. That's a twenty to thirty thousand dollar bottle. <laughs> also, at this point on the on, like, let's say, because let's say they got a bottle, the bottle from Sawyer's stash. You mean nobody's cracked open this bottle in all this time they've been on the island? Well, Sawyer, Sawyer has it. Well, maybe Sawyer knows what it is, and, and he's, he's like, like saving damn. it for a special occasion. <laughs> um, my my only other guess, if it didn't come from the plane itself, is that it came from a Dharma Initiative drop. Um, I guess it could have been checked. Yeah, it could. Okay, been. look, here's <clears throat> the thing: whose favorite uh, uh, drink is this? Widmore. Who used to be on the island? Widmore. There's your answer. Widmore's stockpile. He's sending them for his return. He's having them sent to the island. So it's all it's all stocked up when he returns. Perfect. There, um, see? Will, was we, that so find, hard? Or we find out that Admiral McCutcheon is, like, actually from the island. <laughs> yeah. Or was or was just Jacob. Um. So, of course, then... Desmond agrees. This, the bottle grabs his attention. McCutcheon grabs his attention, so he agrees to the drink. Oh, and, and he guzzles it. Yeah, and then cut that to... That hurt me as a scotch drinker. Yeah, he really just... He's he's not savoring that one bit. <laughs> um, I'm not saying you need to, like, not drink it all that night, but, like, enjoy it, man. Or maybe, you know what? That I think he's doing it as a smack in the face to Whitmore. No, That's true. It, it absolutely is. Like, because it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing for him to do after he just said he thinks he's been drinking too much and everything like that. So it's a really weird move up until you find out the, sort of his history with this with this liquor. Um, and then we cut to all the boys have been drinking a lot, and they're singing songs that I feel like we're supposed to know, but nobody knows, like something about farmers' daughters, and, and Can I... we're, not, we're not British. <laughs> Can I be real with you guys? Yeah. Just seeing three people in close proximity to one another, drinking and singing and laughing together, I got misty-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's. <laughs> I uh, I got a little tipsy last Friday night on a Zoom chat. It's not the same. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be a Debbie Downer, but I wanted to be honest with you guys. I got a little misty-eyed. <laughs> um. So finally, they're drunk enough that Charlie decides to ask, like, "Hey, how'd you know Claire was drowning?" Desmond says matter-of-factly, oh, "I heard her uh, calling for help," which is obviously bullshit <laughs> but um charlie doesn't and charlie doesn't buy it so he keeps pushing and he keeps pushing in the way that only charlie can until he calls desmond a coward and desmond yeah. promptly attacks him Woof. um and, i mean look i get again i get it charlie's trying to get a rise out of desmond he's trying to get him to tell him the truth but i also i don't know feel like level with the guy more be a little bit more honest I, I, I don't know yeah but if you're honest right right off the bat you sound insane even on an island where tons of insane things happen so you're saying when you pull the like you have to be really confident to pull the <laughs> you can see the future card is that what you're saying uh, well, either that or you're gonna have to, like, preface it with, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but... <laughs> well, I think it's it's not even as much that as, like, he's not ready to share that with people. Like, especially once you cut to the end of this episode and establish where he was coming from. Like, what he just went through before we see him he there is he just basically suffered one of the most tragic moments in his life for the second time. Yeah. I wouldn't want to talk. I wouldn't necessarily want to talk about it right away. Yeah, no. that's true. Nah. Um, I'm, on, I'm on Desmond's side. I mean, he, there are there, no well, one's I'm on Desmond's. Wrong, like, I'm on Desmond's side just because Charles being a dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> here's the thing. If, if like removing the fantastical elements of it. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a heartbreaking thing for him for him to have relived you add the fantastical elements onto that you bet i'd keep that close to the chest but like since this is a situation in which they're on an island in which lots of weird things have happened i could understand uh being a little bit more forthcoming a little earlier on yeah i mean but like you said there's you know, you're really putting yourself out there when you say certain things about... Um... <laughs> when you just yell out of nowhere, I can see the future. But, like, not everything. <laughs> um, the, the, I'm, this is totally has nothing to do with this, and I can't find the exact tweet. But there was a tweet a couple weeks ago that had me in hysterics about, like, about Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> and... It said it was somebody who was watching Mrs. Doubtfire for the first I'm paraphrasing because I can't find it. But they were watching Mrs. Doubtfire for the first time. And they said uh, something along the lines like, I, I, like, I understand why everyone's always like, why can't Sally Field tell that uh, it's Robin Williams or whatever? He's like, but in fairness, for you to say that you think your new nanny your new British nanny is your <laughs> ex-husband. You have to be really sure about that before you decide to tell people that. So, uh, wait, guys. Actually, I know 
I know the actual reason. I know the actual reason. And I feel really dumb for only just coming to this conclusion. It's not so much because he can see the future. It's because he knows he's dreading having to tell Charlie what he has to tell him. Oh, shit. You're 100% right. Oh, my God. I'm so oh. dumb. <laughs> you're, mean, the only, you're the only smart one. <laughs> that only doesn't one invalidate that. anything else we just threw out there. But, like, I know that there's somebody listening to our podcast go, right now going, it's because he doesn't want to tell Charlie. God, guys. <laughs> yeah, look, we, we deconstructed it so far that we went well past the actual answer. Like, we went miles past the actual answer. And this is what being a TV reviewer or critic is all about <laughs> over analyzing to the point of being just completely wrong <laughs> look and in fairness to us and to this episode and to all recent episodes hey man it's quarantine we all got quarantine brain we're yep. all we're all we're all just doing our best um so let's now let's get into the real heart of this episode because as he's attacking charlie we start to see the flashes <laughs> as he's throttling charlie going as he's throttling charlie yelling i'm trying to save you <laughs> um we start to see some stuff that's a little familiar we see him in the hatch we see him with Locke. We see him going to turn that failsafe key, and he turns it, and he is woken up. And it looks like, oh, he's covered in red. Like, is it blood? No. He's on the floor, covered in paint. It is new apartment, or not his new apartment, but his apartment. Um, And who is there? concerned that he has just apparently drunkenly fallen off a ladder while painting penny is there yay um, and we get to see them act together again oh yes oh it's so um, good and you know he is uh, we quickly you know he knows something's something's off and something's off about him like he seems to just from his attitude just from the look on his face he knows something's wrong but he also seems to be fitting into the moment somehow simultaneously that he has just had penny has just moved into his place now and you know uh almost like the last few years were just a horrible horrible dream Exactly, but he doesn't. Is this the answer to the whole series? It was just Desmond hitting his head and he <laughs> fell off a ladder. <laughs> the whole show took place in a snow globe inside Desmond's apartment. But he. So now we start to see a little bit of dom domesticity with them. She's helping him like tie his tie. He seems very confused. And very happy at the same time. He's getting ready for a job interview with her father. In the background, the Sarah McLaughlin song, Building a Mystery, is playing. <laughs> okay, little, I, did, I didn't I notice mean, that. That's pretty good. That's, that's really on the nose, but I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> I did know. I was watching, and I'm like, is that Sarah McLaughlin? And then I like really cranked up the volume, and I'm like, ah, oh, building a mystery. 
Um, and he's getting ready to uh, go to a job interview with her father. Everything seems like everything's normal for Penny. And for the most part, it feels like he's not... It's more of just the general sense of deja vu he's having, not a, I was on an island, right? Like, he doesn't... Yeah. He's not getting all the flashes yet. Yeah. I think he's, he's essentially, like, woken up from a really intense dream is probably how he feels. Like, when you wake up and you're like, I remember that whole thing. Like, I remember the, the, the scenes of my dream as it went like it's not often but sometimes you wake up like that and you like remember it throughout the day and and he had sustained a head injury so he's probably like how hard did i hit my head (laughs) uh of course he's getting triggered by things easily um like the, the, the one zero eight on his clock, which made me immediately think, and I think this comparison is actually pretty appropriate for the entire episode, it made me realize how final destination this entire episode is. Oh <laughs> <Because> yeah. <laughs> final destination is all about trying to cheat death and death trying to course correct, if you will. And um just kind of a parallel between that movie and this series is that that uh, certain numbers keep popping up uh, because Flight 180 is uh, a plane that goes down in the first Final Destination movie. And so you see the numbers 108 or 180 pop up in other Final Destination movies later on. Um, and there's even, in a, in uh, one of the sequels, there's even a moment where a character is looking at a clock and it's 108. And so I was like, ah, I, I think I see what you did there, Lost. <laughs> Even just things that that uh, Penny says, when she says, oh, about uh, this job, like it's not the end of the world, and then he hears a beep, and it's like, do like, I have to push that button to save the world? And even if he doesn't understand what that means, he's having that reaction. He's having that, it's just a I'm supposed to beeping, do but, something when I yeah. hear an alarm go off. <laughs> I am supposed to do something to save the world because it will be the end of the world. Um, very right after that, there's another number thing. He's um, uh, going to the interview. He's there at the front desk, and someone comes delivering a a uh, parcel, and they they say the uh, for uh, eight fifteen. The flight, you know? Flight. Yep, yeah. yep, so, yep, yep. Oh, don't, don't forget that. Microwave. <laughs> oh, what did the microwave say? Uh, it didn't say anything. It just beeped like the beeping in the hatch. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. It The worst microwave sound <laughs> ever. <laughs> I should get, uh, I should, if, you know what? If someone said, can you get your microwave to beep like the lost beep? I would do that. <laughs> um... So it gets into the interview with Charles Widmore. We've seen uh, Widmore in the last Desmond episode. We know he doesn't approve of Desmond, uh, was actively preventing him from being with his daughter. So now, you know, already going into this, uh, there's that idea of how well could this possibly go? (laughs) 
And I'll be honest, it's right around this moment where I start wondering whether or not these are memories or if, like, this is a dream state that he's in as a result of the electromagnetism. Because Whitmore doesn't seem so bad at first. He's asking him legit. He seems legitimately impressed by some things on the resume, set design work Desmond did for the Royal Shakespeare Company. Uh, doesn't seem bad at this point. Exactly, yeah. Uh, uh, wait for it. Just wait for it. Uh, and then uh, uh, he mentions military, lack of military experience. That'll come into play. Which and, that, that's like a huge, like, wait, when are we? Yeah, yeah because, exactly. Because we know Desmond had military experience and that he got dishonorably discharged for what we don't know yet now at a certain point desmond looks over at this boat and he's like ah oh, she's a beauty and Woodmore's like ah yes a boat entering in a solo race around the world because he's like phineas fogg he's <laughs> like right i mean what who, people are eccentric millionaires racing around the world still i don't I, know I i'll guess tell so. you if i had so much disposable income i i didn't know what to do with it you bet i would use my millions to race around the world by every way you can travel <laughs> i would race around the world by train by hot air balloon by dirigible <laughs> dirigible <laughs> which if you if you think about it i think it's just another type of hot air balloon <laughs> yeah uh, so you know, Widmore, it's like, hey, we could get you an administrative position. Like, he's there offering Desmond a job. And then Desmond's like, I'm not here for a job. I don't want this job. Which, in retrospect, maybe it would have went a long way for Desmond to take the job. But maybe not. Anyway, he's Is any, there. Yeah, I'm just, like, looking at this situation. I'm like, does anybody else kind of feel a parallel with... Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, Jin and asking his soon-to-be father-in-law for permission to to marry his daughter. Like, I'm I'm getting flashbacks here. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's right there. <laughs> but uh, it's the difference of like Jin following like honor and like the code. He's like, I take this job and then I work for him, and that's how I have I get the daughter. And this Desmond being like, I know I, I, I don't need the job. Like, I'm just going for this and gets cut down in a different way. Yeah. Now, do you think it would have made a difference? So if Desmond said, thank you, uh, I would love the position. And then he said, and if he said one more thing, I need to tell you. Because, I mean, Whitmore knows he's with his daughter. It's not like Desmond's him and Penny have been together a while now. They've been together for two years. Like, yeah, he knows. Here's the thing. I honestly, I honestly think it does not matter. I think that Widmore had his mind made up about Desmond just by virtue of the fact that, like, you know, he's a self-made man and that he had to drop out of university to take care. You know, he's just a normal person. And by virtue of just being a normal person and not an insanely affluent person like Widmore, like... 
that just makes him not good enough for Penny. And it wouldn't have mattered if he took the job or not. Like, he would never give Desmond his blessing. But, like, here's the thing. Like, it, sh it doesn't matter what Widmore wants. Penny wants Desmond, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Why? Why do we give? Why is there this antiquated notion that we have to ask for permission? Just run away with Penny, Desmond. Yeah, I mean, at that <laughs> point, like, if I was in love with somebody and I felt some need to, like, tell her father, like, hey, I'm in love with your daughter. And he's like, get out of here. <laughs> I would be like, I'd be like, oh, well, I'm still going to marry your daughter. This was stupid move on your part. Now it's a problem. Now it's just awkward as hell. You, yeah. you, all you did was make Thanksgiving awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> That's when you're like, I thought you might say that. And then you pull open your iPhone because you have a song queued up on Spotify and you hit play and you just have an impromptu karaoke session of I'm going to marry her anyway. And <laughs> now, but. Gosh. Widmore knows Desmond enough to know that now he can, you know, he can needle his insecurities about this. Because he already, I guess, knows that Desmond is a little insecure, which is probably the reason why why there's all this pomp and circumstance about having to get this permission even more so. Because Charles Widmore's kind of a big deal. His name is on pregnancy tests. Like, he's a big deal. <laughs> so, um, this is where, and Zach, you were talking about it before. The clown? The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about this moment before, about the swallow uh, when he pours yeah. the uh, McCutcheon. And there's a great little bit of directing here where we see him put down he's really going through the motions he puts he down took two glasses two glasses what's he, wrong he, with like, you he like, takes jesus what a what a sadistic bitch <laughs> I mean, yeah it's like oh, i'm gonna make a point just to pour it into this one glass now and it, it is a good little bit of like because when the the camera pulls out or cuts out you're like oh and he just gives his little speech about this is more than you make in a month. And he swallows oh. it. Um, it's just such a, like, it's such an extra move. Like, yeah. there, was, there was no need for that. No, like, I, I was wholly expecting him to pour Desmond a drink and say, yeah, it's not happening, but have a drink anyway. <laughs> and he, and he, well, he says that it would be a waste on him. The McCutcheon, uh, which is really adding insult to injury. Which is why we see Desmond guzzle it earlier in the episode. It makes so it, it like it's one of those things where like this was brilliant writing because like all of a sudden that moment is just illuminated and we're like, ah, oh, I get it now. <laughs> so this has not worked out for Desmond. He's now on the street taking <laughs> off that tie. Um... And he hears Wonderwall <laughs> coming from Charlie, who's busking on a street corner. <sighs> um, and like I said, this is where I'm like, so is this 
is this a dream is is where I was really starting like this this was really starting to hammer it home because it's like well did they ever cross paths he crossed paths with Jack um did he perhaps cross paths with Charlie or is he just imagining Charlie right now because he remembered him right before the explosion uh and uh have I, I know I've, I think I've brought this up on the podcast before, um, but Paul Dini was a writer in season one. And they like Paul Dini was one of the writers on Batman, the animated series way back in the day. And there's an episode very, very reminiscent to this whole Desmond situation called Perchance to Dream. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about it, but like uh, maybe give it a watch. And so just this this episode reminded me a lot of that. And it was in particular moments like this. Well, we do. I know we do uh, once again. And, and Zach, this might be fresher in your head. We do see Charlie busking again in the series. Uh, I can't remember whether he's singing Wonderwall or not. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. I don't remember when that happens. I remember it happens in the episode where it's like, the greatest hits episode with Charlie. Mm, I, I don't remember offhand. Well, I don't remember the details of it, so I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> the point is, Charlie's there, and Desmond, Desmond recognizes him, and he's not sure from where, and then all of a sudden, he starts to remember the island, and now... He's and this is why I think this Megan, this is something that happened in reality that we're in his reality here because it seems like he's remembering both times and he knows it's gonna rain and then it yeah. rains. Uh like um like he somehow found himself um, being the protagonist of the Slaughterhouse Five, and he's be- not not quite constant levels yet, but he's really reliving a moment in his life, yeah. Yeah, I guess the question is, did the like which one do other people remember? Yeah, does Charlie remember some crazy guy coming <laughs> up to him? Probably not, right? This, this is well, probably more, more to the point. Like, does Penny? What does Penny remember? Like, is this exactly how it went down in real life? Where Desmond like was that ring chucked over? the dock in in... no because and we'll get to in a minute but because the the woman in the shop uh who they never say her name in this but it's (laughs) eloise uh eloise says that he walked out he got cold feet walked out didn't buy the ring well i get that's what i mean like that's what happened in like his former reality but what happened in like other people's reality like is this a dream sequence where he's like forced to relive it or did he really did he really change the past i don't uh, now season I, five would sort of imply that he did yes yeah, season five would imply that he did i don't think i'm getting that vibe from this episode but i guess you can i guess it could be but there's no reason to think otherwise either i think they're intentionally vague about that yeah and the only like the only people who you could really ask would be Penny and or, or his like friend. 
And let's get to the front, because that's his next stop. Because now he's having some issues here. So he goes to his friend, who is, uh, is uh, what is his friend? What is his friend? A, a physicist, I guess? Yeah, that would be my guess. Um, and he asks him about time travel. And they go to the pub, and he tells him these things he's remembering. And, uh, he... he He's trying to. He's trying to remember. He's trying to figure out what's wrong with him. But he's starting to remember things from this particular night, including he hears, "Make your own kind of music." Come on the jukebox. He sees a soccer match, which he knows, or football match, but he <laughs> knows uh, the outcome of. But then it's not the outcome he thinks it's going to be. He gets it wrong. He thought there was going to be this goal, and then this guy was going to walk in with a cricket bat and threaten the bartender, but none of that happens. <laughs> nope. Which makes you go, oh, well, again, is this a dream, or um, is is it, like, did he find himself in a, brace yourself, alternate reality? Ooh. <laughs> now, no joke, guys. Did they look at the entire... Did they look at this episode and then base the entire final season off of this? Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, these were... There were look, there are clearly ideas that the show is wrestling with at this time about other realities and other times that they continue forward in that final season. And I I will go ahead and point out that even though I don't care for the way the time travel stuff is presented in later seasons, I actually really kind of like how how grounded they are in this episode the the way they talk about whether or not it's possible and exploring like well what what does it mean to be back here right now so i i I appreciate this also it's less mythology and more character development yes yes which is great (laughs) so he's so now Desmond's even more confused because he got the 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 football. Things are different wrong. now. Yeah, and maybe him being there is changing things. But he goes, he goes home, and uh, Penny, of course, asks, "What did my father say?" And and Desmond's like, "I didn't get the job," which isn't really true. He did get the job, but that's beside the point. And, um, uh, but he didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get what he was hoping for. And, uh, Penny decides that this is still reason to celebrate. Why? Because she loves him. And he's a good man. And they're gonna go, she's gonna take him out to celebrate. This is Because love is worth celebrating. It's, knowing what we know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Zach, I mean, uh, any... Uh, uh, I am just like... Like, ugh. Ugh. The, the, <laughs> Des- the Desmond and Penny relationship breaks me. Like, it is. Yeah. Uh, like, as a, as a hopeless romantic, I just, like... The whole... Their whole story... It's, like... It, it's why I love that character. It's, like, I totally... 
like you see the guy as like the like he 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 messed up like he had like a, a panic moment did something wrong and can't take it back and it like dooms it like messes up the rest of his life <sighs> now the next scene is we where we get into the real how much is did this really happen how much like the real affected stuff yeah because he is picking out a ring and he he doesn't know what to do i wouldn't know what to do but luckily this this very helpful older woman behind the counter finds the perfect ring it's beautiful (laughs) but understated it's not you know it's within desmond's price range and guys i it's been so long since i've seen this episode no joke uh this woman comes out you know behind the counter and is like can i help you and my jaw hit the floor because and i literally cried out loud (laughs) because i was so surprised to see her you (laughs) yeah (laughs) she um so you remembered her Megan. i did (laughs) i was like wait what i mean i'll be honest like when i was first like when i did i mean i did this watch recently but like yeah it's like you forget that like that character gets introduced pretty early on considering how integral she is at the end of the series and how little you know about her at this point (laughs) yeah like she will turn out to be related to and have had relations with characters that we either barely know or have not met yet yep (laughs) who who are crucial to the show yeah and crucial to these themes about tom because there becomes a thing about her that she seems to have an understanding of of everything going on of where the island is of how time works and she immediately when desmond says he's gonna take the ring she says no no you're not you're going off script and there will be no improvising here (laughs) young man yeah you you're supposed to walk out and have second thoughts and desmond of course is very confused to which then she proceeds to say that she knows him and she lays out his life on the island basically she's basically well i i guess that happens when they go to the bench does that happen the store or the bench i they they take a walk because like he's confused about her because like she says like if you don't if you if you don't then we're all gonna die yes and that's... that's when they go and take a walk and she's like oh you're gonna be difficult about this like let's let's go have this this <laughs> chat and while they're at the start of it she points out a guy's bright red shoes she points out a guy doing some david tennant cosplay <laughs> <laughs> and that's all yeah. i could see <laughs> at, love those shoes <laughs> at that point she lays out this whole thing of this is what you're supposed to do if you don't end up on this island uh you know it everyone will die well and she hits him where it hurts right now because earlier widmore said you will never be a great man you know based on nothing um but 
she goes ahead and basically reaffirms that and she tells him this will be the only great thing yeah. you do in your whole life pushing, and it's, yeah pushing the buttons the only great thing you'll ever do um also within this conversation i think the thing that hits at home is that there's an accident and this guy with the red shoes is crushed and I think that brings a reality to this to Desmond because she was able to see that future. And he's knowing that he kind of is having a sense of the future as well at this point. And he's infuriated because he's yeah. like, why didn't you do anything? Because that's that's his whole thing right now is he feels like he's been given a second chance and he wants to do it right this time. And... And so the fact that she knew this guy was going to die and did nothing, he's he's pissed. But she it's says, the, oh, Zach. Oh, it's the classic time travel paradox fix. Like you can't you can't change the past. The the past will catch up with you. It will it, it, if you uh, it, uh, in uh, 11, 22, 63 terms, the past will push back. Or it's the it's a back to H.G. Wells time machine. Like when you try to change things, like it will still happen. Like the event will still happen. You can't do. You can't get away from so it. Or if you want to go back to Final Destination, like I brought up earlier, <laughs> death has a design, and if you cheat death, <laughs> there's the difference. I brought up Stephen King and H.G. Uh, Wells, and Megan brought up Final Destination. <laughs> There are two types of people. <laughs> uh, the, the um, yeah, she's saying that the guy with the red shoes, if he would have like slipped in the shower or had a heart attack, so either way, death was coming for him, and it couldn't be like it was his time. It was his path, and Desmond's path is to go to this island. Yeah, almost as if destiny were a real actual force and there's been a lot of talk of destiny but this is like the first time we have someone going yeah it's a thing and i just proved it to you <laughs> things whatever will be will be and there's nothing you can do about it hey, sarah, sarah. <laughs> so desmond the title of an episode <laughs> probably <laughs> um i i do like uh, my my problem with lost time travel later is how inconsistently it's it's presented. But here, I like it. This is this is great. There are clear rules. You can try to change something, but it's just gonna steer back around. So I I appreciate laying out the rules and being like, this is the mechanics for how time travel works in the framework of this episode. So Desmond. Um... Uh, goes to get Penny and they're you know walking down the street together he passes the military place again Aww. Like the military Aww. but uh, they walk up past this guy and this guy's like hey take a photo with the with, with your lady friend or whatever he says and Penny's like oh let's take a photo and this is we see the famous photo and it's interesting that marine marina backdrop turns out is actually a fake it's a fake backdrop which i love 
I do too. Such a great fake out. Like, here's the thing is that, like, Lost will do some things where it feels a little cheap when you get to the reveal. This is something where, because it's not like a mystery of, like, where were they when they took the photo? That was not a question that anybody was asking. But when you see, uh, when you see of, like, oh, like, they were just you know, living their lives at home. And it was a kind of fun little touristy thing they just did for for kicks and giggles. Um, Like, that's a cute reveal. That's a cute, like, it it didn't feel like it was, like the show had cheated me and it didn't feel like it was trying to be all that clever either. Like, it just felt like a fun, it felt like a fun reveal. And now... And uh, before before we get to the the devastating <laughs> part yeah. of it, we gotta stall. I, we gotta stall for time. <laughs> I just I just have to say, like, because like Penny's like the way Penny is in this scene and throughout this episode, it's just like I love her so much. Oh yeah, and that's what makes this all, all so much heartbreak. Like, just the the dynamics there are so cute and like couple goals and like all that stuff. I just uh, like she's like we'll take yeah for the grandkids Desmond. I gave her like a weird like Victorian. Time <laughs> for some reason. But uh, like it's it's heartbreaking because we know in this moment it's him choosing to kind of like accepting that he can't change anything. Yeah. Um, we and that's that's what it is. But like first time around, it's like oh man. It was his wounded pride that drove them apart. And ultimately, yeah. it was his wounded pride that made him insist on trying the around-the-world challenge. And it's like, if he had just been able to let go of his pride, then, like, he, they they wouldn't have broken up. It's just, it's so it, sad. In this version, yeah, that's interesting, because it is, in reality, if we were to accept that what really happened in reality is not what we're seeing here, but what had actually happened before Desmond got to the island. It, it was his pride, but now he feels not only the pride thing, but the entire weight of destiny upon him. Yeah. Ugh. That he's going to break and he does break he says he can't do this he brings up not having money he says the bullshit line of how she deserves better to which she rightfully slaps him and and basically says don't pretend that you don't care and she calls him a coward and it is exactly like you said it's devastating it's yeah. very upsetting yeah it was a more dramatic version of it's not you it's me <laughs> yeah but he's now got it in his head that they're not supposed to be together yeah uh because yeah he thinks ultimately he's like if i tried to change anything as eloise that nameless woman (laughs) pointed out like it would just ultimately end up the same and i think he, he fears that it would be worse for her if he like postponed it yeah like if he dragged it out it might be even worse as opposed to just like it's like if this is how it has to be this is how it has to be um and then he throws the ring away into the what city are they in are they in london I'm, i think they I were in london so. probably <laughs> oh god that means he threw it into the thames 
No! <laughs> oh, that ring is going to dissolve, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, I always I, I get the dramatic moment of the ring, the ring toss like like I don't even need this anymore. <laughs> Throw. That cost him a lot of money. <laughs> Actually, I don't think Eloise asked him for any money because he's like, how much? And she walked away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I never saw that transaction go down. Then it is the one toss of the of the engagement ring that I can get behind because he didn't waste thousands of dollars. Good, good. <laughs> if like, you're going to throw an engagement ring away, that, that was the one to throw away. <laughs> like, pay your rent man oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he goes back to the pub and uh you know he 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 looks up at that mccutcheon but of course does not get it because we already know how expensive it is uh he could he could have used the ring to pay for that drink <laughs> um and then he he tells the bartender like oh celebrate made the biggest mistake of my life and the worst part is he made it before but oh. then all of a sudden he sees he hears make your own kind of music come back on the jukebox and then he sees the soccer uh football game match again <laughs> and he realizes he just had the wrong night he had the wrong day of when this game was. And he realizes, maybe I can change things. And he gets all excited. Which is a weird revelation to he, find out. Like, oh, no, it went down exactly like <laughs> like I said it would. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I actually don't see the connection there that well. I don't know, Zach, do you see it? To, wait, sorry, to what? What was I? <laughs> oh, I just thought it was funny that, like, seeing that he was right about the game made him go, like, oh, that 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 thing I predicted would happen happened, uh, just like I remember it happening. The future can be changed! And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> I just thought it was a weird moment to make him go, maybe I can change things, even though this thing exa ended up exactly like I remember it. Yeah, if anything, that would imply that, like, it is destined in its fate. Like, uh, although I guess, like, after he gets hit with the cricket bat, it's clearly different. I think maybe maybe what it was is that it confirmed to, it confirmed to him that this was in, like, he actually is remembering things. He's not being precognitive. Yes. He's actually remembering things. And so... Um, I think it, it is more just like, he's like, oh, because I know what's going to happen, unlike Lazy Eloise, I'm going to be proactive. Yeah, but then the past is like, oh, he figured it out. What? <laughs> Take him out. Yeah, he really got in the way of that cricket bat. <laughs> like, he knew it was coming, too. He knew that was coming. Oh, man, he's had so much time to get away and then he didn't <laughs> and after he wakes up from getting hit with that cricket bat he's naked in the jungle and we see the wreckage <laughs> of the hatch and he sees the photo the photo of him and penny and he's 
begging, he's begging to go back and he'll do it right this time, even though we just saw that he will not do it right if he goes back. Guys, he'll keep going back. Can I be real? I ugly cried at this. <laughs> it's rough. Oh, man. Like, no joke. I cried for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I cried through the credits. <laughs> well, then we 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 get back to kind of where we, we started. And Desmond is there, like, going to pummel Charlie. But, uh, uh, you know... Hey, this isn't their first bar fight. It's <laughs> like, not their first drunken brawl. Like, they they both walk it off. He's yeah, Charlie like, can take a punch. It's <laughs> like, he can't change it. He's saying he can't change it, and he kind of lets him go. And Charlie, you know, helps him back to his little... I love Hurley thing. just doing the crazy. <laughs> yeah. The- <laughs> so, Charlie, though, can't let up. He brings him back to him. Charlie can't let up, and he's like... I still, I still need to know. You're still going to tell me. Like, you're going to tell me. He says it to himself like a creep. He's like, <laughs> you're going to tell me. <laughs> and, um, you know, Desmond talks about, you know, life flashing before your eyes. And he'd, you know, flash through time. And he starts to lay it. And Charlie's like, well, how did you know? Like, with Claire, how did you know? And he goes, I'm not saving Claire's life. It's like, I'm saving your life, Charlie. You dove in after Claire and drowned. You were going to get hit by lightning when I made that lightning rod. Uh, I keep saving you, but I can't, it, I, it, I can't do it forever. You're going to die, Charlie. And this is devastating because we established earlier in the episode that, like, it like it's inevitable. Um, it's a, it's a great it's a great way to end the episode, and it's a great thing that hangs over the rest of the season because it because we do love Charlie, and it is as much as I'm giving him a hard time in this episode. Uh, you know, it's this inevitability that we're not going to be able to get away from but also throughout the season we're going to constantly hold on to hope that we can get away from it oh, but just like Final Destination you can't <laughs> you can't cheat death forever <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> and there's just silence from everyone else <laughs> I'm so I really like that franchise. It it's, makes me very happy. I, no judgment. <laughs> so, this is where we're at now. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a terrific episode oh, overall. This was fabulous. Like I love. Yeah, a great one. Love the Twilight Zone esque sort of like vibe to it. I, I just love that. Well, like even- these. These uh, episodes with Desmond up to this point have been very Twilight Zone esque, and I like, I just, I really dig it. Well, even the end, even the twist at the end is a very like, like, no, it was you, Charlie. Which, by the way, it sounds like Charlie stayed away from Claire. He'd live longer too if he wasn't trying to, <laughs> if he wasn't hanging out in her tent or with her hut or whatever. He wouldn't get hit by lightning. So I'm just saying that too. 
<laughs> um, Zach, you are our guest. Let's let's have you start this. Um, what is your Jacob of this episode? What is your the thing you love the most about this episode? Oh man, um, I think just the dynamic between Penny and Desmond, because this like really we just see them being them together and like yeah desmond's like shaky and kind of out of it but like if we if you weren't already in love with these two you gotta be in love with them now um yeah no definitely they're and it's the the, what we see in this episode is equally it, it plays just as big a part as to why the constant next season is so powerful yeah. yeah, this is like the this is the prequel to the constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a, and I, I'll be honest, I'm all about it right now. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me again in season five, but like I'm all about it right now. Megan, what's your Jacob? I'm gonna have to give it to the moment that um, made me cry. I'm gonna have to give it to that moment where Desmond is like, "No, take me back," um, because. It's just such a gut punch. Um, you know, acting-wise, the performance is absolutely superb. And as I've stated multiple times on both this episode and this podcast as a whole, I don't like the way time travel is handled in this series. But, like, here is a moment where the sheer emotional weight behind it, I am I am wishing just as hard as Desmond is in this moment that he is able to go back in that moment. And he just, he can't. It's gone. And it makes me wish he could. Um, just, just for his and Penny's sake, I want them to be happy. Um, <laughs> even if it means ripping apart time and space. Um... So, like, uh, I have to give it to this, like, for, for a plot device I'm not crazy about in this show. Like, I wasn't expecting it to make me feel those feelings. So, well done, episode. Excellent writing. Well, excellent performing. Excellent directing. Just excellent all around. Um, I'm going to uh, just uh, go more the, the, and I kind of already just said this, but I'm going to go with the, the very end twist because... Um, of the ramification because one you don't really see it coming and two the ramifications of what it means between Desmond and Charlie's relationship for the rest of the season what it means bringing into the season 3 finale it, it, it the whole idea sets up so much weight uh, just like the weight of destiny that is upon Desmond it's kind of upon us as the viewer to be to suffer knowing that like <laughs> Charlie's gonna meet a certain fate, and uh, I think it's pretty it's pretty powerful storytelling from that standpoint. Um, because it's kind of linked to this, I'm gonna go first with my Man in Black, and it's oh Charlie, you gotta calm down. <laughs> you gotta like when he comes over with that baby, he is. so such an asshole you gotta feed the baby it's not even your kid like it's like it's too much old charlie behavior like yeah like it it here's the thing as much as i love charlie and claire in a lot of ways and i love how much he loves her and they are they can be cute together 
it's kind of a reminder that if they had gotten off that island to be together, it would not have worked out in the long run. <laughs> it would not. Like, that's not unlike the Penny and Desmond thing where you see everything is just dripping with... Like, Charlie is too much in her business, and I oh. don't see that getting better. Charlie knows that she's out of his league, and so he's like, I can't let her go! <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Megan, what's your uh, man in black? I'm gonna give it to the to the slight plot inconsistency of nothing's changed. That means I can change it. <laughs> it is it is weird. I don't understand that, but I'm so excited that Desmond's excited. <laughs> <laughs> I admire his um proactive attitude in he, the wake of overwhelming odds <laughs> he gets so excited in that moment it's like it reminded me of like a christmas carol where scrooge is like christmas i didn't miss it i didn't miss it it's still th- like it's like one of those like, he's so excited like he's about to run out into the streets but then he gets hit with a cricket bat. <laughs> you boy what day is this and then he gets slapped in the yeah. face <laughs> um zach what is your Man in Black. Honestly, I struggle to have one, but I will. So I'll give it to uh, Charlie being so just useless at <laughs> when during a moment of crisis when Claire is drowning and Desmond is performing CPR and he's like a puppy dog who's like, "What's the problem? Can I help? Can I help? Can I help?" And it's like, just shut up and step back. You are the not helping the situation. <laughs> at all <laughs> uh, like just give let De- like desmond clearly knows what he's doing he just saved her from drowning just, to, just sit down it, sit down it charlie made me go like seeing him and how like just effortlessly he swam out into the ocean and saved claire it made me go oh too bad he wasn't here in season one that nameless extra whose name i can't remember <laughs> wouldn't have died <laughs> <laughs> I know she had a name, but I can't remember it because <laughs> she didn't matter. <laughs> wow, Megan. I'm I mean, sorry. Oh, can you name her Zach? What was her no, name? <laughs> but I'm not going to say that she didn't matter. <laughs> I'm not that cruel. I meant in the... Gr- okay, well, if she mattered, the island wouldn't have killed her. <laughs> it was a sacrifice, the island. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, thank you for coming back oh, on, especially under, you know, a tougher recording circumstances and, you know, state of mankind. <laughs> Look, I'm always down to talk about loss, but at the same time, like, where else was I going to go? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, where can the people find you and what you're up to? Uh, you guys can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at that Zach Wilson. Uh, I also host a podcast, a super weird podcast uh, called Ships in the Night. Uh, we're doing it like live on Twitch now as an experiment during these weird times because we can. But we're we're taking different cross fandom couples and we're just coming up with crazy romantic stories. Uh, this past week, the episode will come out uh, pro- in a few weeks from where we're recording. I don't know when uh, it'll it'll come soon. We just did what what uh, a new the new Tiger King story. What if Tigger went on a date with Hobbs? Oh my god! 
who is the real Tiger King? Oh my God. Uh, that's great. That's a great uh, one. But yeah, so that's called Ships in the Night. It's available everywhere. I've also been posting it, screenshots from my Animal Crossing island, which is, uh, I bring it up because it's relevant. It's entirely Lost themed. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Where I've like, I have, I've literally built, designed Desmond's, I've designed the, the hatch in my house <laughs> where it's like stone walls. I, I put, I made a Dharma initiative logo. I made the, what, the 108 minutes clock to sit on the wall. It doesn't count, but it's there. <laughs> uh, uh, and there's a record player that with a little sign above it that says, make your own kind of music. Aw, that sounds adorable. <laughs> Uh, and uh, me, while, while I can do all that while I'm being robbed blind by a capitalist raccoon. <laughs> uh, what else did I put on the island? I put uh, the well that Desmond falls into in the final season. I put Jacob's lighthouse out there. Uh, I'm doing more and more. <laughs> oh, I built I built a little stream that leads up to a stone arch with some lights at the end behind it. <laughs> Are you going to do a giant stone foot at some point? I I don't know how, but I want to. <laughs> Hit me up at that Zach Wilson if you know how I can get a giant four-toed foot on my Animal Crossing <laughs> island. Uh, <sighs> Megan, how about you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I've got a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and my co-hosts talk about horror things, and I am also a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co-hosts talk about Rooster Teeth related shows. So go check those out; they're both a good time. You can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link, and uh, you know if you're looking for a good quarantine read. Buy my book, Crazy About Kurt. You can buy it on Amazon. And uh, with the way things are with Amazon, you'll get it eventually. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. So, uh, thank you so much, Zach. And thank you for having me. Uh, until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. 
uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>